Have you ever been ashamed of something so much uh, that you really didn't want to let people know that you were a part of it? And maybe it wasn't that you're ashamed of it, but maybe you're just afraid of what people will think about you if they knew what you were a part of. Uh, For me, in junior high, this was Boy Scouts. Uh, Looking back, it's kind of silly, but in the moment as a junior high boy, I did not want to let people know that I was in Boy Scouts. And so I did everything that I could, possibly. I, 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 I tried to not let them know. I didn't bring it up in conversations. When, the, when they joked about boys and scouting, I returned some really good jokes that I had heard before too, uh, just to make them know that I was not a part of this group. Uh, but uh, there's a problem with that. Uh, my town that I grew up in, every year the first uh, weekend after school was out, they had a Jubilee Festival. It was kind of like a yay, summer is here type of festival. And every Saturday of that Jubilee Festival, there was a parade. And do you know who had to march in that parade in full Boy Scout uniform? This guy. And I had to carry a flag, and it was the only flag in the uh, whole parade. Uh, so everyone saw me and saw instantly that, oh, yeah, Tony's in Boy Scout. And then I'd spend the whole next year trying to get them to forget about it, and then it would come to that parade once again. Have you ever had that thing that you were a part of that you just really didn't want people to know about? Maybe for you it was the friends group you're a part of. You know, you went to school, and and you don't know how it happened, but one thing led to another, and now the people that you're hanging out with is people that your parents don't necessarily approve of. And you know that they don't approve of it, and you don't really want to have that conversation with your mom or your dad about who you're hanging out with, so you just kind of not tell them who you're hanging out with. You don't tell them about the times that you're having with them, and if they start to ask those questions, you just kind of direct the conversation, and maybe you just avoid your parents altogether because of those people you're hanging out with. Maybe for you it isn't that. Maybe, that's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your guilty pleasure. Right? These things that you partake in that aren't necessarily sinful, but you know that if people knew that you participated in it, they'd probably look at you a little bit funny. Maybe it's a TV show that you watch. Uh, maybe it's that a stash of candy that's hiding in your pantry that you don't let your spouse know about because they just would not understand. And you hide the fact that you're stressed out and you go to that candy on a regular basis. Maybe it's not a guilty pleasure. Maybe for you, the thing that you don't want people to know about is your lack of success. You've been at the same job for 5, 10, maybe even 15 years. And other people have been promoted, but you are just kind of sitting there in the same spot. And you've been loyal. You've been working there forever but they've just passed you up over and over again, and you just don't want people to know that you're in the same job you were five years ago. Maybe for you it isn't that. Maybe for you the thing that you don't want people to know about, and maybe it's not that you don't want other people to know about, but you just don't want to admit the truth to yourself, and that might be your health. You know, your memory's not as good as it used to be. You forget dates. Maybe it's Maybe it's you just can't get around as well as you used to. 
and you have family and friends that are starting to do things, and they're starting to not invite you because they know that you physically can't do it, and it hurts. But you're unwilling to admit to yourself that, that maybe I just can't do it. What is it for you? What is it for you that you are hiding because of shame, because of fear? In the book of Mark, we come across a story about Peter, and Peter had one of these moments in his lives where he was ashamed and he was fearful, and he allowed that fear to control what he did. You know, he's asked point blank, are you a disciple of Jesus? And he answers that, no. And the answer is obvious. Yes, he is. He's been with Jesus his entire ministry. He's been following Jesus. He's one of the first. And yet Peter takes that moment to allow his fear to control him. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to be in, starting in verse 66. Mark 14, verse 66. Uh, this story comes on the heels of the arrest of Jesus. Uh, halfway through the book, chapter 14 of Mark, Jesus is taken into custody by the religious leaders, and they try to bring these witnesses that they had falsified to come and say, Jesus did X. And they were trying to get Jesus in this place where they could have him killed for breaking the laws of their land. But what's interesting as you read that story is that not a single one of these false witnesses could come to the same conclusion. In the Old Testament, you needed two people, two witnesses to say that you had done a crime for you to be punished by it. And even though they're bringing in all these liars and they couldn't get their story straight. And so they finally get to the place where they have to ask Jesus, Jesus, are you the Messiah? And Jesus responds, I am. And when they hear this, they decide, you are worthy of death. And then we get this story of Peter. And I think the story of Peter is there to kind of give us a contrast between Jesus, who is asked a question, are you the Messiah? And Peter asks a different question, are you a follower of Jesus? And their answers are two completely different things. So I want us to look at this. I want us to see how Peter is questioned by a little girl. Uh, it reads like this, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. I don't know how Peter got into this courtyard. Uh, probably uh, the reality is, is there was just a lot of chaos. It's the middle of the night. Uh, the high priest probably has one of the largest houses in town because of uh, his position as the high priest. And he's probably called in all the Sanhedrin, this group of elders of Israel whose job it was to determine guilt. They were the supreme court in regards to religion at this time. And they've all come in the middle of the night to hear these accusations against Jesus. And they probably have a retinue of people. And in the commotion of the middle of the night with all these people suddenly appearing at the high priest's court, Peter sneaks in. And he's there and he's warming himself by a fire on this chilly night. And this little girl looks and says, 
I recognize you. Again, we're not told how she recognizes it. Probably uh, because of the popularity of Jesus. Uh, She has at one point in time sat and listened to Jesus preach in town. And as she is there listening to Jesus, she sees Peter, one of the main disciples of Jesus, who is constantly with Jesus. And now she is here and she is looking and saying, I've seen you somewhere before. And she says, aren't you one of them? Well, Peter replies like this. He says, he denies it and says, I don't know or understand what you're even talking about. And then he went out into the entryway. Essentially, he says, I think you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. And then Peter runs away from the problem, right? Now, I don't know why Peter's scared, although to be honest, most of the disciples are scared in this moment. See, when Jesus is arrested, they are afraid for their lives. These guys had followed Jesus for three years. They had believed that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel, the one that when he came to Jerusalem would be welcomed with open arms. And they expected the religious leaders to accept Jesus. So when they are the ones that have Jesus arrested, it was only natural for them to think to themselves, what can they do to us? If they can arrest Jesus, if they can put Jesus on trial, if, if they get their hope and they kill Jesus, who are we compared to him? And so most of the disciples, they scattered. Peter, uh, to his credit, he has enough common sense to kind of follow along and figure out what is going to happen. But when this truth is presented to him in this moment, he becomes afraid. And he's afraid of the punishments that he might get for being a follower of Jesus. And so he denies any relationship. And he runs. How often are we like Peter? Now, most of us in this room at some point in time have made the commitment that we are going to follow Jesus. We have said we will be with him through thick and thin. We have been immersed into the waters of baptism. We have said that we will follow Jesus, and yet we live most of our lives running from that commitment. You know, when we're at school and our friends are talking about Jesus and Christians, and if we're honest with ourselves, most of our friends think that Christianity is a little bit different. That because we don't accept certain lifestyles, that maybe we're just a little bit backwards. And when they're joking about Christians and what they do and who they're like, how do we respond? Do we stand up? Do we say, I am a Christian, you shouldn't talk about me like that? Or do we join in on the conversation? Do we laugh at the jokes? Do we tell our own jokes back at them? What is our response? Too many times I feel like we run away. And we're like Peter where we deny, I don't know what you're even talking about, and we try to get as far away as possible. Interestingly, in this story, Jesus had that opportunity. You know, Jesus knew that the religious leaders were coming for him. And if Jesus, if he had wanted to, he could have easily gotten out of the town. 
He could have easily left knowing what was going to happen. He could have easily gotten out of Dodge, and yet Jesus stayed. And he allowed himself to be arrested. And he stayed for you, and he stayed for me. He stayed so that eventually he would be crucified on a cross so that we could have the salvation from our sins. And if Jesus stayed for us, then maybe we should stay for him. See, Peter tries to run, but running away from our problems does nothing for us. In fact, it doesn't work nine times out of ten. This girl, as she's following Jesus, uh, Peter around, and Peter calls her crazy, she decides, you know what? I know I'm right. And she begins to follow Peter everywhere that he goes. Uh, we read about her following him in verse 69, uh, when we're told that the servant girl saw Peter uh, a little ways away, and she came up to him, and she said to those surrounding him, this fellow is one of them. See, she compounds the problem, right? Peter is being caught in this lie. My children, they're not very good at lying yet, and I'm grateful for that. A couple of uh, months ago, uh, my kids, I put them in bed. Emily was off doing something that she was doing, and uh, so it was just me, and I got them all in bed, got Micah in bed, and got my daughter, Naomi, in bed, and came back out to check in on Micah to see if he had fallen asleep by himself, and he wasn't there. And so I started to look around, and, and I went into Hannah's room, because I thought I heard noises in there, and she has this loft bed where I, can't, I can see her, but I can't really see what's on the other side of her. And so I said, hey, is Micah in here? She said, yes. I said, okay, what, what are you in here for? He says, I want to sleep in here. And that's not normal for him. So, so my brain starts clicking. What, what's going on here? I said, okay. Are you playing Uno? And that's a kind of a weird question, I know. All right? But the entire night, they had been playing Uno, okay? And it was one of their favorite games right now. And so it, it made total sense in my brain. Are you playing Uno? And they said, no. No, we're not, Dad. And I said, okay. I'm going to trust you, but if you're lying to me, there's going to be consequences. So I went to bed. My wife came home about an hour and a half later. Next morning, she wakes me up and says, hey, did you know that Hannah and Micah were playing Uno? I was like, really? <laughs> wow. See, we try to run from our lies, right? But sometimes we're, we're just as good at lying as our kids are. It eventually comes to the surface. And Peter, it's the same way as he is there. This girl follows him, and she looks at him and says, you are one of them. And now it's not just her looking at Peter, it's this entire group of people. And Peter's left with a choice now, right? I can either come clean or I can continue this lie. And in verse 70, we're told that he continues the lie, he continues to deny it. And it's interesting that he would do that. See, before I think he was afraid of punishment, but now here it's the fear of ridicule. See, it's one thing to lie to a little girl. It's a completely different thing to lie to a group of peers, and yet Peter sells out on it. I don't know what you're talking about. How often, when left with the choice to reveal the truth of who we are, do we instead just lie about it? And maybe we don't lie to other people, but maybe we lie to ourselves. 
You know, we've committed ourselves to following Jesus. We've committed ourselves to being in Him and doing what He has called us to do. But that's tough. I mean, that commitment requires us to serve. That commitment requires us to give back to God. That commitment requires us to attend church every Sunday. So maybe we lie to ourselves about our commitment. Are we truly committed or not? I don't know. But I don't have enough time to serve. Now I have kids, I have family, I have different things that draw on my time, and I just cannot find the time to serve the church. Money's tight. There's financial crisis that pops up all the times in our lives, and sometimes we just can't find that money to give like we ought to give. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, it would be a lot easier to sleep in on Sundays, wouldn't it? If we're honest with ourselves, it's a lot easier to skip out on church because we have friends that have come over and invited us out to do something. We have family that have suddenly appeared. And our commitment to Jesus is overrode by the fear of ridicule by our family and our friends. We're so afraid of them that we're not willing to tell them, you know what, I can't during this time because I'm going to be at church. And we allow that ridicule to guide us. But then there's Jesus, who after he's taken into the high priest court and they determine that you are worthy of death, that they began to line up one after another and they began to spit on him. And then Mark tells us they took a blindfold and they blindfolded Jesus and one by one they came up to Jesus and they punched him with their fists. And they said, you tell us who hit you. And we have Jesus when asked the question, are you the Messiah, knowing what was about to happen, knowing the ridicule that was about to come his way, fir- fir- firmly said, I am. And we go about life allowing the fear of ridicule for being a Christian, for following Jesus, to guide what we do. We have Jesus who faced the ridicule for us so that we can face the ridicule for following him. The story doesn't end there because Peter is double down on this lie and he's going to be caught. A lie, the truth bubbles up every single time. And when we try to lie our way out of things, it just causes more and more problems. Uh, I was in junior high again and one of the chores that I had was to feed our dogs. And I remember one time uh, coming home and forgetting about it and my parents coming home and saying, did you feed the dogs? And I said, yeah, I fed the dogs. Only to find out that had I fed the dogs, the dog uh, bag would be empty and I'd have to open up a new one, which I didn't. The truth comes to the surface. And for Peter, the truth is going to come to the surface in verse 70 when we're told that after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Ever known someone from the south? talk a little bit differently than us. 
or maybe from Minnesota. Uh, we had a friend in college who, spoke, who was from Minnesota, and they, she talked weird. All right, maybe from Boston, maybe from Southern California. We can tell, even within our country, speaking the same language, where people are from by the words that they use and by how they say them. And the same way it was for the Galileans. They said, talked a little funny. And the Sanhedrin, this group of elders uh, of Israel, their retinue was all from Jerusalem. And as they're sitting there talking to each other and hearing Peter talk, they come to the realization that this little girl is right. You surely are one of them. You don't fit in. You don't talk like the rest of us. You have to be from Galilee. And the only other person from Galilee right now is that guy that's been arrested. Surely you are one of them. Well, Peter isn't going to let that stand in the way. He says in verse 71, uh, he began to call down curses. This is ambiguous. All right, It's saying, uh, curse you if you continue to question me on this. Curse me if I'm telling you not the truth. All right, Then we're told uh, that he begins to swear and say, I do not know this man that you are talking about. And Peter double downs. He does everything in his possible will to prove that he is not with Jesus. And I wonder if there's extremes that we go to to hide our relationship with Jesus. Do the people you work with know that you follow Jesus? When you're standing around the water cooler at work, what is your conversation? How do you talk about people? See, Jesus called us to love all people everywhere. So if we're standing around the water cooler speaking venomously about our bosses or talking bad about our coworkers, we're not reflecting Jesus. And how would people know that we believe what Jesus believed if we don't act like him? When we're around that cooler, when they're talking about Christians and what they do and how backwards they are, how do you respond? Do you respond by laughing? What extremes do we go to to hide the fact that we are followers of Jesus? When we're at home, does it come out? Have we stopped doing our devotions because time is just not there? How do we treat our kids and our spouses? Do we let them know that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that we follow him? Or do we hide it? Too many times we allow the fear of what other people think and the fear of what they're going to do to us to allow us to not be bold for Jesus. I don't even think we know what that word means anymore. What does it mean to be bold for Jesus? We've forgotten it. Because we're fearful. And yet there's Jesus, who the night he was betrayed the night that he was arrested we're told in mark he is sitting there in the garden and he is praying to god and he's praying god take this cup away from me i think jesus is afraid i don't want to die i don't want to suffer i don't want to be crucified take it away from me god 
And yet, Jesus didn't allow his fear of what was about to happen to control his boldness because he says in the same breath, not my will, God, but yours. We have Jesus who boldly followed God so that we can boldly follow him. We have Jesus who did everything in his power to follow God. And he showed us how we can follow in those same footsteps and not allow fear to control us, but be bold instead for him. Russia, a couple of years ago, 2016, passed a law that more or less says you cannot share your faith. You cannot, uh, you cannot tell people about church. You cannot email it. Even if they're in your own home, you're not allowed to do these things. If you do, you'll be arrested. And then there's this couple there, Donald and Ron, or Ruth Oswald, Oswald. It's kind of a weird name. They've been missionaries there for 16 years. For 16 years, they've been trying to tell people about Jesus. Uh, they live in the town of Oriole, and while they're there, uh, there's about 320,000 people that live in this town. They decided that they were going to pass out a gospel tract to every single one of them with their uh, address posted on it. And so they go out, and they put it on all these mailboxes, and they eventually start to have people coming. And they hear Donald preach, and Donald baptizes a number of them. And in 2016, they were told by the government, you can't do this anymore. And they have a choice. Will they allow fear of what the Russian government would do hinder them from being bold, or would they be bold? Four weeks after the law was passed, Donald and Ruth were arrested and kicked out of the country because they continued to preach the gospel. A lot of people are facing a lot worse than what we are facing. And yet they're bold and they proclaim. What do we do? The beauty in this story comes at the very end where Peter, after failing, is redeemed by Jesus. Many times we're like Peter, right? We fail in so many ways in being bold for Jesus. Uh, Jesus is eventually, uh, verse 72, Peter breaks down weeping because he knows what he has done, and then he disappears from the story. Uh, Jesus is crucified uh, on the Sunday after the crucifixion. Some women come to the tomb because they're wanting to prepare his body for burial. And when they get there, they, they see the resurrection. They see that Jesus is no longer there, and an angel is speaking to them. In chapter 16, verse 7, we read this. The angel tells the women, go tell the disciples what has happened and Peter. And it's interesting that Peter is singled out there. I think he's singled out because of what has happened in his life to this point. He's singled out because Jesus had not forgotten about him. That even though he had failed, Jesus had not failed Peter. And there are many times that we are going to fail, but Jesus has not failed us. 
Jesus wants us to be bold for him because he was bold for us. And so when we fail to stand, Jesus is there standing still for us. And when we fail to, we fail to have the ridicule thrown at us, Jesus is still there being ridiculed for us. We can be bold. And all we have to do is look to Jesus, who stood boldly for us, and we can gain our courage, and we can do what needs to be done to let the truth shine forth in our lives. Will you be bold for him? Let's pray. Dear God, we're grateful for the story of Peter and grateful that to see that even he was not perfect. And in his imperfection, Jesus shines through. And Jesus shows us what it means to be bold. In our lives, Father, help us to boldly proclaim the truth of who we are, that we are your followers, that we have been called to make disciples. Help us not to hide. Help us not to run. Help us not to live in fear of that fact. Help us not to be ashamed of who we are. Help us, Father, to be lights in this world. In the Son's name we pray. Amen.